If you ever wanted to know the effect the resurgence of traditional Catholicism has had in our times due to a variety of different things going on, you only have to look at how the hierarchy of the church and their biggest friends in the laity are reacting to things like, I don't know, the growth of the traditional Latin Mass, a growth among Catholics in traditional devotions and preconciliar papal and lay writings, and of course the strangest one of them all, the various obvious disliking of Dr. Marshall that some of these figures have. But I'm going to talk about something here. The attempt to preserve the hermeneutic of continuity by figures like the Bishop of the Diocese of the Internet himself, who has released a book containing all the documents of the Council <laughs> that you can easily find for free on the Vatican's website anyway. I mean, seriously, they're there if you want to read them. Along with his own personal commentary on how they should be interpreted and followed. Now, why is he doing this? Because it's becoming clear every day that the various priestly fraternities who teach the faith the way it was taught before the early 1960s are growing. And for some of these figures, that's a little worrisome. So let's talk about this, because we're going to see this sort of activity become more frequent from figures like this bishop and others, especially as we get closer to the synod on the clergy. And it's kind of a shame, too, because some of these figures, like the bishop we're talking about, have been well known for answering questions about the faith from others who are not in the church. That's good work to be doing if you can do, if you can do it well. But let's start with what the hermeneutic of continuity is here. Father Dave Nix, over at the Padre Peregrino blog, which he runs, he writes the, uh, he writes the following where he talks about the hermeneutic of continuity versus what's called the hermeneutic of rupture, which you don't hear about as much. Now, I'll have a link to this piece over at my sources blog at returntotradition.org, as usual, if you want to read it. I store all my sources off website, off of off this place, because I've, like, try, I try to follow the rules of the place. Now, I do recommend you read this if, you have, if you're so inclined. Father Nix outlines this thinking and does it in the typical, dispassionate way that is appropriate to a traditionally-minded priest of the church. And I start with him, and I'm going to extensively paraphrase the priest here for, unfortunately, the usual re reasons related to this place. Now, in his piece, he describes the hermeneutic of continuity pretty well. And the attitude of mainline, well-meaning figures in the church had, paraphrasing, but mostly quoting him, as a middle-of-the-road type in seminary, I would frequently say things like, Vatican II did not change Catholic doctrine, but it did change how we package it for the postmodern mind. Or perhaps I would say, dogma can't change, but how we explain it can. Phrases like this demonstrate the hermeneutic of continuity we clung to. We believed the Catholic Church before 1963 was the same as the Church after 1963. We just had to return to the quote-unquote early Church in order to quote-unquote get back to the sources. If we wanted to square the circle, we just lined up the stars correctly between the teachings of Pope St. Pius X and Pope Paul VI. But the more I read the Church Fathers, the more I saw nothing of modernist ideas like indifferentism, sometimes called ecumenism, and other errors. Figures from the hierarchy and traditional voices almost all agree that something new, a new way, began in the 1960s. This is called the hermeneutic of rupture. Recently, the hierarchy-friendly figures now admit not only a hermeneutic of rupture between old and new, but that the old must be ended, end quote. Well, and paraphrasing, really. Now, Father Nix then goes on to describe what I've covered ad nauseum last week. Pastor Tommy Reese of the Jesuit Church's recent call for the church to get with the times call to end the Latin Mass of all the usual things. He includes the words of Massimo Fascioli, the noted Italian thinker and professor at CUA, when he said that we can have the Latin Mass, but not the theology of the 16th century. 
curious statement because the core of the hermeneutic of continuity is that the theology of the 16th century and the theology today are basically the same and we just need to interpret today in light of tradition. These are admissions that the Church of the Council, the conciliar church, the Church of Vatican II, is not the same church as the Catholic Church from before the 1960s. Mr. Bean, as I call him, is the author of two books, both lauding modernism and the partnership between the Leviathan and the church. What he really celebrates is the rise of the ape or mimic of the church, which I have covered numerous times in numerous videos over the years. It is the stuff of Catholic prophecy, and frankly, for the past few decades, we've seen it slowly taking shape before our eyes, except now it's picking up steam under Francis. I mean, there's even church hymns about this. Sing a new church. Go look that one up if you're not familiar. This brings us to the Bishop of the Diocese of the Internet, the man who talks about the word on fire. I know that he has many, many Catholics who love and appreciate everything he does to try to make Rahner and Kung and others palatable to the Catholic aspiring to sanctity. But of course, this bishop is one of the ones who, with a smile and an affable word, will continue to promote the way of the world, and the salt losing its savor. As such, he has no better vehicle for that than to continue to try to salvage Vatican II as much as is humanly possible. And I can't exactly blame him for this. He's a strong supporter of the hermeneutic of continuity, a real lover of Benedict XVI's attempt to reconcile the church before the 60s with that which came after. The problem is always the same, though. The two probably can't be reconciled, and certainly not by an acolyte of Rahner and the others. Mr. Dare We Hope tirelessly engages in this work, and he has a new book out complete with all the documents of Vatican II, which, as I said at the beginning, you can go read those for yourself for free on the on the Vatican website. They're not hard to find. On this, he says, quote, I believe that the documents of Vatican II are still widely unread. And if they are read, they're often misunderstood. The needful thing, I am convinced, is a robust and enthusiastic reappropriation of the texts of Vatican II, end quote. It is his usual line when talking about the Council, and there is always a sort of implied critique of traditional Catholic position on the Council which is that in some way or another the council promoted error and that needs to be addressed. He, his implied critique is obviously that the traditional Catholic position is one made from a position that the person who says that doesn't know what they're talking about because they haven't read the council documents or didn't understand what they were reading if they did. So either you've not read the documents or you did and you didn't understand them. That's kind of funny. Some of us did actually read them and did understand them and couldn't help but notice that the conciliar documents have numerous statements that clearly defy what the church taught in better times. Some of us noticed that some called Vatican II a counter-syllabus or a France in 1789 moment in the church. I could go on and on. I'm not here to do an in-depth examination of Vatican II. You can find better minds in the traditional sphere, people with more theological training than I have, for that if you like, and they will they will just dissect the council documents by document by document show that it was not compatible with what came before. And for a good treatment of this subject on YouTube, you'll find numerous talks by the affable and ever uh, <laughs> priceless Michael Davies on the subject of Vatican II, and they're all worth reading. He gave numerous talks about this on the new mass, the documents from the council, all of it, decades before most of us were looking at this subject in any serious way. But that's not all the bishop of the internet said. He goes on to repeat a very tiresome line, one that the modernists have been making for decades, that the church wasn't fulfilling the mission given it to it by Christ, the Great Commission, that it was hiding behind antiquated notions. That, and also that, quote, its treasures which are meant for the world were not being shared, end quote. The characterization of the church from the pre-conciliar era should bug anyone who sees the statement being made, and you see it all over the place. 
any Catholic with a sense of the faith and respect for the Church would be embarrassed to make any such statement like that. Pius XII, towards the end of his papacy, wrote an encyclical on the work of the Church in its missions, and it was ghostwritten by Archbishop Lefebvre, who at the time had been the head of the Holy Ghost Fathers, who were known for doing the mission work of the Church. He wasn't the only one, either, as there were countless monks and nuns and laity doing that important work. But the bishop goes on, saying of Lumen Gentium, quote, this is the document with the stirring universal call to holiness, which says all the faithful of Christ are invited to strive for the holiness and perfection of their own proper place in life. Lay people are called in a special way to the church present and operative in those places and circumstances where only through them can it become the salt of the earth. End quote. And that's fine, but it wasn't exactly a new statement either. The Pope since the Council of Trent, and honestly long before that, had called all people to be holy a sort of universal call to sanctity or holiness. And that is the essence of the Great Commission. This wasn't new then at Trent, and it wasn't new at Vatican II, but it's highlighted by the bishop in question. This always makes me wonder, when it is presented, and always tied to that other statement of his, when it, because it's always presented as if the church had stopped telling people to pursue holiness, that if it wasn't for Vatican II, the church would not be engaged in the Great Commission at all. If that is the case, then anyone who makes such a statement should review the state of consecrated religious life in the church, the few numbers of monks and nuns being consecrated every year, and the state of this missionary work that I referenced a moment ago. It'll open your eyes. I think his best work is in his engaging with people who are seeking God and have honest questions about the faith. And no, I'm not saying that works perfect, but I think that's his best work. He is known for that work and for telling people how to spread the gospel in an age where there isn't even baseline knowledge of God in the world anymore. I say that despite having rather serious points of disagreement with him on theology, given that he is certainly what Pope St. Pius X would have defined as a modernist, and as such, hold understandings of the theology of the Church in some ways that would not have been accepted prior to the Council. He has nearly admitted this himself when he described the triumph of the innovators at Vatican II as a defeat for the faction in the Church characterized by the great, late great Father Reginald Garrigou Lagrange, the great theologian that I have featured here on this channel before, but not recently. Essentially, he was one of the last great thinkers in the church who taught that the faith by the way all of our forefathers would have understood it. He taught the faith the way, our, the way that those who came before us would have recognized as the faith. I'll revisit him in the near future, I think. He has a great, relatively short piece he published on the New Theology, which is, and the New Theology is what fueled the Second Vatican Council. It's a relatively short and to the point compared to everything else he wrote, and gives us an example of what the Church was addressing before the triumph of modernism at Vatican II. But that's the Bishop of the Internet, his hot take on tradition, except this time he is saying it in the form of a book that he would want you to read. Now maybe I should get a copy and let you know what the book is like. It's been a while since I've read anything by the well-meaning Bishop. What do you think? Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments below. If I do opt to get a copy of this, it would be made possible by the patrons and members of this channel, so thanks to them in advance. I typically offer them a book or film review about once a month that only they get to see, but if I did this, they'd probably let me make it available to the general YouTube viewing public. But let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please. And of course, like, share, subscribe, and hit that notification bell, and set it to all so you don't miss an update, especially as we head into another critical synod of the church, the coming synod on the clergy. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.